Hello and welcome to episode number 261 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good man. I mean it's a big movie this week. Mm, so I'm pretty very big one. Yeah, it's always nice to be back in the cinema. Um, but yeah, this was a very special one for us um, for many different reasons, um, which we will get into when we discuss Don't Breathe 2. Um, which, yeah, it's, it's nice to kind of finally get to these sequels and these movies that we've been waiting for for a while. This one wasn't as bad with the delays, um, but it definitely was one that we thought we'd have seen a long time ago. Um, so, yeah, we have now seen it. And we'll get to that shortly. Um, but yeah, a little bit of news this week. Really not much at all, to be honest with you. So we'll be getting to the film discussion very shortly. Um, but first up, just to throw this in there, seeing as we have been talking about um, American Horror Stories. Um, oh, yeah, was... I remember that. I keep forgetting about it. <laughs> so was it was it last week we um, talked yeah. about it? So I'm guessing you haven't watched any more. <laughs> you're correct <laughs> yeah i'm up to date now i've watched all six and obviously the last one airs later this week um yeah not to go off on too much of a tangent because we'll talk about it more when you've actually seen them but like six is really good <laughs> and i really am looking forward to you watching that and then we can have a chat about it um but yeah the reason why it's in the news is because... <laughs> you don't have to um <laughs> that's the good thing about anthologies um but uh yeah so it's been renewed for a new season already um so that's kind of the news via deadline um they also noted that according to fx uh, american horror stories marked the most successful launch of any fx on hulu series to date mm-hmm. um which yeah is kind of not too surprising i guess because american horror story has always been so popular and it is weird kind of as a fan from the start and seeing how it's just become this entity almost like walking dead like it's never reached that level of overall kind Mm. of critical mass but i think the thing that's so good about american horror story is that it just it's added so many different fans over the years through different seasons and i think through its kind of availability on netflix and stuff that there's always you know people that join during hotel or people that join during you know the later seasons or there's the people that have been around where it's like oh i saw coven and loved it so there's there's so many kind of different end, um, fans of different eras of American Horror Story, and so it doesn't surprise me that this is done as well. Mm. Um, but that's all we have for now. Like it'll premiere sometime next year, so I wonder if they'll try and um, break these up a bit more because obviously this was a little bit strange. I think having it as the like lead in to the new yeah. season. I so I wonder if they could get the this out. Things. Yeah, I wonder if they could get this out closer to like March or something um, to try and break it up, but. Uh, yeah more american horror stories i mean i was gonna say are you excited for i guess it all depends really doesn't it on like well no not really i think like i'm excited for it i think i think it would just be much better placed away from the traditional seasons Mm. you know because i'm really hyped for the new season and that's why i just keep forgetting about this because i'm like oh it's a cool thing but it's gotta it's gotta find its legs and and you know it's kind of i've got my anthology show that i really love already and it's like great there's another one but i like traditional american horror story whereas yeah if this was away from it and i'm kind of oh okay the other one's six months a year away and i've got this cool season to watch of, of these standalone things great so yeah i just i just think they need to get the timing better hmm. yeah for sure um it, i'm hoping this is going to be something like the twilight zone where you know season one was not good and is probably i would say about on par with american horror stories so far where it's not it's not dreadful it's just not great and so i think and and obviously they turned it around massively and it was such a shame that 
a it seemed like no one was really watching it and b obviously then they chose not to renew it it didn't get cancelled we talked about the news it was this whole weird thing where they didn't decide to pick it up eventually um so it could still have life but yeah it was such a shame because season two was awesome and i hope for the same with american horror stories because like i say there's so many talented people involved both on the um the writer's side the directing side as well as the actors so yeah i'm even though like i had a lot of strong words for it last week i'm like definitely down for this to still exist and to only get better um which hopefully it will um and yeah that's like the main news this week um as you'll see from the one and only other story that this is a very slow week um but just want to put this in here to remind us that this is a thing as well um in the kind of season of tv that's happening soon um there is actually the new amazon series um which is the reimagining of i know what you did last summer um we may have, i think we featured this in the news like a year ago and they have been posting stuff this year and like small trailers and pictures and stuff but it's just it's always like the 15th most newsworthy thing that week and so i never include it and this week i thought well it's just around the corner um just to kind of give people that heads up so friday the 15th of october is when it will start streaming um exclusively on netflix oh sorry on amazon um and yeah i was just reading it it's the first four episodes are released on the on day one which is an interesting move um I believe it's only eight as well, so you get half the season straight away. Um, But we haven't really talked about this, and I know you're quite a fan of kind of the original movie. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is, so just very briefly before I get your take on it, the the synopsis is what you'd expect. Um, You know, it's not like they're doing some crazy new thing with it or anything. They are very much trying to stick to what the original was, um, where it says, Mm -hmm. one year after the fatal car accident that haunted their graduation night, a group of teenagers find themselves bound together by a dark secret and story by a brutal killer um so yeah that's pretty much the synopsis of the first movie um any interest in this one i don't know man. <laughs> like i really mm. don't know there's like, a lot coming out in that period <laughs> yeah like i like it i like the first two movies um quite a bit but they also have their very much their time and a place and i'm just like okay like doing a remake of it over the span of a tv show could it be fun or could it just be super drawn out mm. um i feel like the answer is going to be the latter than the former um you know in my mind i'm like oh okay they could really you know have some uh, you know a lot of characters and a lot of people being chalked off and i'm like no it's gonna be this core group of people just being fucked with for a really really long amount of time and the more i think about it the less i'm buzzed to, to see that mm. um you know and and Potentially, I'll give it a watch, but uh, Christ, there's so much to watch right now. Like, yeah. we're in a good spell. Like, if this had come out last year, then <laughs> we'd have stood a great chance. Still, yeah. only a chance. <laughs> that is what is frustrating, like I say, and it is a good problem to have, obviously, that there's just so much coming out over the next few months. That even something like this, that, yeah, this would have been one of the things that we would have probably done a show on last year. Um, and now we're at the point where we're like, yeah, we're probably not even going to watch this. Um, but yeah, if you do have an interest in this, um, let us know kind of how it is, because, mm. yeah, I can't imagine I'll be watching this this year unless i just get super bored and want to throw something on and then it kind of hooks me um because yeah there is just a whole let alone the films like i'm looking forward to chucky and creep show and american horror story which all come out around the same time as this um so i yeah, can't I've, imagine i'll be watching this dead, so i've already got one show i don't enjoy so <laughs> exactly um and yeah you might need to watch the stand before year end as well so uh yeah. 
there's always that one but yeah that is pretty much it for this week like i say two very small news stories on tv shows a quiet week um but less than enough waiting let's get to this week's film um so we will discuss don't breathe two So yeah, like we kind of alluded to at the start of the show, um, for this being a pretty big one for the, for us, um, why is that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, so Don't Breathe 2, the sequel to a movie that no one asked for a sequel to, not mm. because the movie wasn't great, but because the movie was so great on its own. But yeah, we have a remake of uh, 2016's Don't Breathe. Um, so... When do we start the podcast? Was it was it March twenty sixteen? Yeah, so this was our first um year end winner and mm-hmm. one of the first big movies that we saw for the show. Because I was trying mm-hmm. to think when this came out. Uh, um it was, it was about this time, wasn't it? Yeah, I yeah. think it was end end of August, yeah. Yeah, so kind of six months into the podcast, and it really was like the first movie that really blew us away, I think. Maybe the conjuring before that, potentially. Yeah, and it was definitely one of the first ones that had um, that that traditional cycle of like we covered the trailer and the news. Mm. We had that hype for it because of Fede and because of how much we adored his Evil Dead movie. Yeah, and so it was that case of like it had the full cycle. We were excited for it. The trailer dropped. We talked about it. We and saw it, it at the cinema, and it was a ten out of ten. Our movie of the year, hands down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but yeah, going into kind of everything about this, uh, you know, I've been fairly vocal in my thoughts on not wanting a sequel and not really being wowed by the the trailers or anything like that. Um, And I think we'll probably get to the trailer at some point potentially, but I mean, short, short answer to that is the trailer spoils way too much as, as per usual. But yeah, uh, so going into this one, we kind of meet the blind man again, who I just found out is called Norman Nordstrom. I found that out whilst reading up about this movie as well. <laughs> Which was a real shock to me, I'm not going to yeah. lie. Um, I was like, did he have a name in the first movie? I really thought he was just called The Blind Man. I like he was just called The Blind Man. Um, yeah, I'm he's still credited as that. The Blind Man on IMDb for, for Don't Breathe. Mm. So I don't know how we found out his name was Norman Nord- Nordstrom in this one. Maybe the maybe the um, Hernandez character says his name? Oh like, yeah, um, potentially, yeah. yeah. Or like mr nordstrom <laughs> i don't know um but but yeah either way norm as i like to call him <laughs> aka the blind man is um this is set kind of years well it, it said it's set years following the kind of it is very invasion. very nebulous and confusing but, in terms of the also, timeline it's also like the first movie doesn't exist but yeah the, but this movie assumes you know who the blind man is yes correct um, but none of the events strange. really made any difference no. to the events of this so, film. So we're joined with him as just a pure character. He is he is now living and he is living with a with a child who's about what ten years old, something like that. Yeah. Ten, eleven years old. And um we very much pick up the movie with him with this daughter and kind of um the, the movie assumes you know who he is. The, the movie assumes you know he's blind and you you know his abilities and kind of everything else and kind of when I say abilities, just his kind of you know his strengths and how he can kind of 
have this heightened senses around him because mm. of his blindness and kind of you know really does assume that you've seen the first movie it 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 does no pandering to explain that to you which i don't have a problem with because i adore the first movie but mm. i find it strange that that like we said the context of the first movie pretty much just doesn't exist you know we don't hear about any of the other characters we don't see that this is post or pre it's just the blind man is existing in this new universe pretty much and what um, i find really interesting is posts don't breathe there is like there's a lot of different avenues in characters that are still relevant in this world outside of the blind man it's yeah. not like everyone died or anything like you still have rocky and her sister who have gone to california and you still have the kind of the the kidnap victims family which mm. again just isn't none of that is remotely referenced like you say they literally it's almost like they took no. this one character they plucked him from the first movie and just plonked him in this movie yeah and, and it's strange when they take that as a decision and then don't set up who the blind man is in this movie so mm. it wants you to watch the first movie but then ignore it and I, I just find that very interesting because you don't often get that like mm. i i kind of understand and when we go into my thoughts and the plot of this movie i kind of respect that they just had this as a standalone thing and i'm like fine you know let me just view it as this but then not to set him up it is a strange choice but e either way um yeah, we're, we're joined by Norm uh, and his daughter, whose name I'm forgetting. Phoenix. Uh, is she always called Phoenix, though? Yeah, well, that's what he calls her, because that, oh, that really stuck with me because of how ridiculous it is. <laughs> I, I like it, like it. Yeah, so... Which people Phoenix, have seen the movie, and maybe, maybe we can explain it later, but there, for me, it was very on the nose. The second he explained how he, like, or you see it, and then they call her Phoenix, I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty perfect. I don't know how I forgot her name, to be honest. Um, um, but, but yeah, and we're joined by his daughter, and they're kind of living together, and basically, they're quite a recluse. He won't let her leave the house and he's very protective of her. And we kind of get a scene of her doing this level of survival training. Um, yeah, I thought where... I was watching Freaks at the start of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was very Freaks-like, mm. but um, just not as well done as Freaks in that respect. <laughs> but but it was still, you know, it, it was good. And we got to see this set up and basically kind of um, we get to see Phoenix kind of there's there's a friend of the family i guess we don't really establish what hernandez's relationship is with the blind man or phoenix but she's kind of this friend that goes grocery shopping for them and occasionally phoenix gets to go and we kind of we follow her on these one of these shopping trips when she does go and she kind of visits her mum's um house and i think kind of I wasn't overly clear, having not seen the first movie for a little while, whether that was potentially the house from the first movie or whether it was something different. Obviously, mm. we find out later what that house is, but at the time, I wasn't quite sure. But she visits a house and kind of um, has this run-in with a guy in the in in the ladies' toilets, which was, you know, quite a quite a freaky, unsettling scene, I think, and kind of. Um, that's when we get in introduced to kind of um the main kind of villains of this movie um what the hell was his name um it says raylan sure that's what it says on wikipedia but that does not really? ring a bell in the no, slightest okay, well, that's probably why then it's probably another <laughs> one of these things where he's not really named but he yeah. is 
yeah, Raylan as per IMDb. But yeah, I almost feel like he doesn't get called by a name in this movie. But no. he's kind of our main villain. And we kind of slowly we get to see him and his group of kind of misfits start to kind of stalk the house, the blind man's house and Phoenix's house. And kind of they ascend kind of their attack on the house kind of. To begin with, it's kind of unclear exactly what they're doing. There's kind of a a, a news article that we get of kind of this this um, picture of a guy saying that he's known for kind of organ harvesting and that sort of thing. So I kind of got an impression early on that they were mm. kind of after her potentially that and and for, for that reason. But it was kind of not not overly clear and and kind of. Um, uh, but we just know that they're attacking the house and kind of the blind man is called away and Phoenix is kind of trapped in this house. And, and a long chunk of this movie, way longer than I thought, um, is this home invasion of them attacking his house and kind of them trying to get Phoenix, trying to take out the blind man. And and it really is the bulk of the movie. Mm. Um, a lot like the first movie that's centered in this one home invasion and kind of... <laughs> Ultimately, the movie does expand further and the trailer shows pretty much all of that. Mm. But I still am a little bit hesitant to go further. But, it, you know, it's a basically a cat and mouse mouse throughout the rest of the movie, albeit in the blind man's house predominantly, but then moving to other places as well later on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, do you want to go into your thoughts on this or do you want me to go into it? Yeah, it's this is like a real difficult one um, to kind of give thoughts on, I think, straight away off the bat. And I do think there are going to be some contradictions in what I say, because mm-hmm. I am very torn on this movie overall. I think there's a lot to really like here, and I think there's a lot of things that really irk to me. And I feel like as when you have these kind of discussions, um, we'll end up kind of getting you into know, the weeds and, and yeah. we'll kind of those those small nitty gritty things will start becoming more clear. Um, but I think overall I was pretty entertained by this movie. Um, you know, I wasn't bored. I thought it kind of, it has a ridiculous pace and also runtime where it just kind of flew by. Um, which again is another one of these movies that, um, I am thankful for because it isn't these like boring slogs, but it is also Mm. like um, this movie almost did need a bit of time to breathe. No pun intended. And Mm. because it's so quick where the, the setup that you just described, I mean, we, we get to kind of this gang attacking the house super quickly Mm. and then it's all go. And it's so action packed. This movie compared to the first one um, where it's such a sequel um, as we've discussed time and time again, where it's like they need, they felt the, need to ratchet everything up to to 11 and it's like way more people involved way more danger involved around every corner um and so it did work and i was having a good time especially in the first um half to kind of two-thirds um kind of what we've described even though it was very samey and and you know pretty similar to the first movie i was having a pretty good time um and then I think when the movie really opens up and does some certain reveals, that's when it kind of lost me. Um, And it just becomes more and more ridiculous, the story, as it goes on. And it's kind of like twist after twist after turn after turn. And it became a little bit exhausting by the end of it, where I was just like, man, what does this movie even want me to think at this point about anyone? Um, Other than some some very obvious messages that I feel like are pretty heavy-handed in the final act. Um, So that was frustrating. But that is more story, which we'll get into later. But I think 
the positives are i thought the directing overall was fantastic um obviously this is a first time director um so that was a worry kind of uh, rodo sayaguez who him and fede alvarez kind of co-wrote the first movie they're like long-term partners filmmaking mm. partners um with a lot of the same crew as well like cinematographers and stuff from the first movie um and i did watch some interviews actually where they were basically just saying like it was always going to be the intention of fede you know directing it like they usually do and it just at a certain point they were like yeah why don't you make this one you know you're you're perfectly capable and so i kind of like that that he just mm. threw it to his mate um who of course is very talented in the writing department and I think he knocked out of the park. Like I say, for a first-time director, I have no qualms about the way this movie was directed whatsoever. Like, it was on par with the first movie for me. Um, I think the the acting overall is very solid. Um, Stephen Lang is obviously great again, and he, he gets to do a lot more, I think, in this one um, in terms of his character. And it's not all great because of story reasons but certainly not acting reasons i thought he was was exceptional and i think i thought all the baddies were pretty great as well like they served their purpose well um i thought the the little girl was fine but again i'm not really it's not so much her acting i have a problem with just her lack of character um because she was basically especially in the final act she just becomes a pawn that's being used by both sides in their personal battle and ultimately she's just like a, a thing you know in the movie that they're fighting for she just to me she didn't feel like a fully fleshed out character um which was a bit disappointing um but the, the other things as well like the movie is insanely gory um which was cool and unexpected kind of mm. It's fascinating. I've been kind of in a rabbit hole looking this up because I was like, did I misremember or something? But so in the UK, the original movie was a 15 um, mm -hmm. and this is an 18, which is quite, you know, shocking. Quite rare but, for us to get an 18. hundred percent. Like, I really want to start making note of it now when we see an 18 at the cinema. Um because I have to imagine that's going to have a huge effect on the box office, but I don't think they particularly care because we're such a small market. Um, because I wanted to look it up, and yeah, so Don't Breathe is R-rated, both the original and the sequel in the States. So it is curious that, like, over there, it's no different at all, but whereas here, you know, that is quite a big fluctuation. And mm. this movie is very violent, but again we've seen a lot of violent movies that are 15s and this doesn't have the traditional either graphic sex or graphic drug use which normally gets you an 18 um so i'm really curious as to why this got an 18 yeah um, if you think of like suicide squad that we just watched mm, like they yeah. kind of threw a bit of all of that spice in yeah, yeah. And, I, and I get that this is a bit more grounded and is and is more violent in that sense because it's a lot more visceral and in, in, in your face, whereas that's more of the kind of classic action, you know, yeah. comedy, um, uh, comic book movie. But yeah, it's um, it's a difficult one because I did like this movie, but I definitely, I definitely didn't love it, and I don't even know if I'd say it was great. I, I'm somewhere between good and okay. Um, glad I watched yeah. it. It was it was way better than the trailer, I thought, because like I say, the trailer did literally nothing for me and I was almost dreading this film. Um, and mm. I'd watched the original again this week and just I love it so, so much. And it got me even more worried, even though I was excited to see where they would go with it. And then, yeah, this did somewhat surprise me um based upon you know the trailer and not wanting a sequel 
but it's also slightly disappointing because yeah this is nowhere near the level of the original um it hasn't convinced me they needed to make a sequel like having now seen this movie it's the opposite of a quiet place part two where i'm really glad they made a sequel and i actually really want a part three um whereas this is like no if i could go back in time i'd say yeah just don't make a sequel um and again i don't think this is some like abomination or anything close to that i just thought it was an okay sequel to a movie that i love um what what did you make of it yeah i think my my snapshot answer is that this is an entertaining but unnecessary sequel Hmm. um because i think I went into this movie with zero expectation and and quite a lot of dread, if anything. Yeah. Because I, even though this was is a big movie for the podcast because of what it's a sequel to, I just had no buzz for it. And ultimately, I ended up having a pretty good time. You know, when I start to pick it apart and and critique it, it, it starts to fall apart a bit. But in the moment, what you kind of said is that the you know the movie gets going, it gets it gets going at a great pace. I'm instantly reminded that. I really like the blind man as a character. You know, Stephen Lang's portrayal is amazing. And and then, yeah, the supporting cast is all good around him. I think the movie does a really great job of kind of, you know, getting going and then kind of really um, towing that line between who the protagonist and the antagonist is of this movie. I think the, um, you know, the the... The, the guy in the toilets who we, we find out is kind of the main kind of, uh, you know, leader of the gang that's attacking um, Blind Man's house. I think he kind of starts off being quite villainous and then kind of it, it gets scales back and then it gets turned up to 11. And I think I think it was kind of it's a dumb cinematic choice. But in terms of a dumb cinema movie that, that is unnecessary, I think it works. I think like the blind man does a lot of terrible things but he's a really lovable sympathetic character because of his backstory and lang's portrayal and i think kind of the first movie um they really had to you know fede had to really get him to do some gross stuff in the final acts to really ham home that he is a villain because i'd say for like three quarters of that movie really until we get to the um the 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 um uh turkey based scene mm. like we pretty much i'm pretty much on his side where i'm like you know people have just invaded his house like he should attack them and it's only when it does that very big twist that i'm like whoa okay this guy's bad <laughs> like mm. i'm not on this guy's side at all anymore and i think kind of this movie wants you to get back to that original first half of don't breathe where you're on his side and you're rooting for the blind man and i think kind of Ultimately, because we don't get that grossness and that extreme side of him in this movie, and this movie kind of tells you to forget about that, I ended up forgetting about that and just ended up kind of rooting for him as our kind of um, uh, protagonist in the end. And kind of, um, I think that's what the movie wanted you to do. And, and um, I, you know, I enjoyed that as kind of seeing that just that full side of the blind man. I think... Um, like you say, his his daughter, kind of Phoenix, is is one of the biggest problematic characters. When you know we've seen so many movies where the child actors have really shone and stood out, and I don't think this one she the, the actress stood stood a chance because her character is just very one dimensional. Mm-hmm. I think you know living with the blind man for eight years, 
should have made her such a more interesting character and such a more kind of you know tactician in these situations he'd basically been training her for this moment and it kind of starts out that she has a bit of game about her but then in the end she just hides in a box mm. and then just becomes a, a like you say a rag doll for whichever character is dragging her through the scene and and i do find that really disappointing because i think um she could have actually been a really cool character where she's kind of got a lot of his strengths but can also see and yeah. kind of be, be really powerful and and you know it, the start of the movie tells us that's what she's going to be and ultimately she just becomes a, a victim you know a victim of pretty much everyone in the movie in the end and and i kind of you know I, i'm kind of disappointed by that and 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 really wish that she she could have had more um it's so disappointing as well when you think back to like a quiet place and i know we're gonna keep mentioning it but these movies are very similar for many different reasons and we have just seen the sequel to it and you think about the two children how amazing those characters are and they're exactly like what you said where they picked up these traits from their parents Mm -hmm. um and they use them in such interesting ways where they never yeah, they they never feel like they're um, just pawns in the game. Well, or oh, the adults, you know, are doing the important mm. stuff. You kids just run along now. Like they're an active part of the story. And yeah, compare that to this, where I mean, the final act. This girl, you could replace her with like a, a you know a little um, cuddly toy, and it wouldn't make any difference. Yeah. Like I just want my teddy bear back. Like that's you literally see, all it is. Like you say, you you can't draw those comparisons all the time Mm. but quiet place part two you know emily blunt's character goes awol for a chunk it's really Mm. the golden story you know and and that doesn't need to be the case in this but yeah like i said she is literally a rag doll being dragged around and it and it it is off-putting when when you don't have that character development because ultimately you need to root for her more than anyone else because the um you know the gang of people are pretty much set up from from the start to be horrific people and ultimately they're horrific people the blind man if you've seen the first movie you know he's not you know he's not a great guy um and and has his dark past and like we we you know pretty much learn in this you know that he's not done great things throughout as well and albeit they kind of want you to root for him and ultimately i did to a point um he's still not doing great things for everyone, you know? And, and so really you need to get behind Phoenix more than anything. And and I just didn't really. Um, but yeah, overall though, for the 90 minutes, I think it's runtime was great. You know, if anything, it could have been a bit longer. It could have set up blind man, uh, to, to people that haven't seen the first movie, because other than knowing who he, he is, you don't need to have seen the first movie. Um, which, like I said, is it is a choice and ultimately a, a fine choice. It makes it an unnecessary sequel, but was an enjoyable ride. But 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 not having that in doesn't make sense. And and yeah, for ninety minutes, I I had a real good time. And in particular, the the home invasion of his house, mm. you know, was very similar to the first movie, but with way more of a, a, a violent intent. You know, our, our home invaders in the first movie are dumb kids just trying to rob a blind guy. Whereas this is clearly got a violent intent behind it. And it, so it amps things up a lot more um, where both sides are trying to kill each other. 
Um, and um, yeah, I think I think the the tension's really good. The gore's really good in it, and and like you said, it it really looked great. It it really didn't look or feel like a first time director's movie, mm. and I think I think you know that's a testament. And and um, you know ultimately, I think if this script had been given to someone that wasn't as talented, I, I think this could have been a way less enjoyable movie. Yeah. Definitely. And in the end, I think this was, this was good to kind of very good for me. Like, you know, I'm kind of just that like notch up from where mm. you are, where I'm not, I'm not going to sing from the rooftops for it, but I came out the cinema pretty happy, you know, and, and ultimately I've got a look at that. And when I, when I get beyond it and critique it, yeah, it's not going to hold up to don't breathe one or, quiet place too or these great fantastic movies but it was still a pretty good time and and you know like i say i came out the cinema happy and i have to kind of focus on that i think more than anything mm. um and and so yeah you know it, it i'm and, and especially with my expectation going in i really thought i was going to hate this movie and and to come out of it enjoying this movie is it is way more than i could have hoped for yeah, it's weird, isn't it? How it like mm. where it, it is very mixed. Where like you say, we had such low expectations, and so mm. in that sense, this was better than I was expected, uh, mm. expecting. But also in the grand scheme of things, this is a disappointing sequel um, because of yeah. the fact that we've seen. I mean, let's not even talk about a Quiet Place. Let's talk about the Conjuring Three. Like to me, that is a way better sequel than this is. Um, and again, it's not all about direct comparisons, but I do think it's easier. You know, when you start to see these big sequels and i also feel like it makes perfect sense why i think you like this a bit more than i did because i am very consciously being harsher on sequels this year um whether or not that's fair or not is is you know a, a discussion we could have but like that is ultimately something that i feel pretty strongly about nowadays having seen the amount of movies we've seen for the podcast and i just i really want to give more credit to originality um over sequels and like i say i love sequels and we have a category for it at the end of the year because of how many you're always going to see within the horror genre um you know i'm someone who's loved like four source sequels at this point but but also i really really want to see new and fresh and exciting stuff um and so i think that's why this is like a self-contained entertaining film is pretty entertaining but all of pretty much every problem stems from the fact that it's an unnecessary sequel. Um, yeah. And well, and ultimately it's not a sequel. No, I think, I think that's the thing is when you talk about these sequels that we love, I love horror sequels as a rule when it's a franchise that I love that continues, you know, when I got four screen movies, I was buzzing. Mm. I would have been devastated not to, to, to stop at one, even though one is one of my all time favorite movies. You know, Nightmare on Elm Street. I go go along for the ride. I have a great time. And, you know, uh, over the years, sequels have served me well. And I think kind of I look at I look at this and just fundamentally that it was a movie that shouldn't have had a sequel. And then and then it kind of, you know, had one written that was just this. OK, Blind Man's a cool character. Let's just let him get a home invasion again. And like yeah i enjoyed that in the first movie and and yeah five years later having not seen it for a while i quite enjoyed this one but yeah mm. <laughs> i you know i could it w i would have preferred just to stick the first movie on because the first movie is still better <laughs> yeah you know coming out of it i think i think one of the things is you know coming out of this movie it's similar to how i feel about happy death day but not as strong because i think happy death day does even make the original worse 
I don't think this makes the original worse. It just, you know, uh, it, it, it's very distant and away from the original. Mm. But ultimately, coming out of this, like when A Quiet Place 2 comes out, I will shove on A Quiet Place 2 and I will happily watch that as well as the first movie. I, I probably won't ever watch this movie again because the first movie exists and it's better in every way. Mm. Um, and, and you don't, you know, it's not a continuation. You know, it's not even Scream to Scream 2 where it's like, ultimately, I don't like Scream 2 as much as Scream 1, but it was still a good sequel, and I had a good time, and I'll watch it as part of this, you know, franchise, but I, I, I couldn't see any future where this becomes a, a rolling franchise to Don't Breathe 3, and therefore I only need to watch Don't Breathe 1 going forward. Yeah, I would. I don't think I'd ever watch this again. Um, I think another example of well of just like the classic sequel move, which is just make everything bigger and better, is like hit the blind man's abilities in this film are like <laughs> crazy. Like he is he's almost like, he's a Batman villain at this. Yeah, point. he he is. But like you say, basically a superhero at this point. Where in the first movie we had him walking down a corridor and a character moving at the last second where they're almost touching shoulders and he has no fucking clue that someone's there in an yeah. in an insanely quiet house in this movie in the middle of a fight when it's all kicking off he's laying on the ground a character is walking across the room about 12 feet in front of him he throws a hammer while the person's walking which perfectly nails them in the side of their skull like just perfect aimbot right in his head. I don't know if you know this or not, but he was a marine. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> yeah. It's weird that he wasn't like that in the first movie, though, because um, I'm pretty sure he was a marine in that one as well. But um, yeah, it's just no, he, did, he did that post. I see. Uh, one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who knows at this point with how ridiculous this timeline is? Because even Wikipedia. So it, the opening of Wikipedia says eight years after the event of the first film. Well, I think that's wrong. Yeah, that's wrong. It's eight years after the opening of this film. Exactly. We, we, get, we get a very short opening to a movie, and then it, we get a flashcard that says eight years later. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, no one knows where this movie's set. <laughs> right. Because he because he's like an older man, but he doesn't look eight years or eight years or at least eight years older. Like it's probably like what ten years after the original. Um, yeah, yeah at least. Yeah, yeah. and it's that classic. Like years older. <laughs> like even with the you know the amount of action set pieces, like I say, even though I found a lot of them very entertaining and and quite enthralling at times with how like there's some really good kind of choreography in this film mm. in terms of the fight set pieces the the tight spaces that they're using i thought like the dog choreography once again was fantastic um i'm really glad that that was a oh, thing good, yeah. um in this film because the dog is one of my favorite parts of the first film having just rewatched it again like i'd forgot that it goes up in the vent after rocky and it's so good and obviously the car bit is like the perfect remake of cujo but yeah i was so happy that like dogs had a prevalent role in this movie and all of those scenes um, were great the dog was a much better weren't more rounded character than phoenix 100 percent yeah the dog had a real character arc oh it was a great arc yeah redemption everything like i I absolutely loved it i loved like (laughs) the level of arrogance the dog has at one point where ones into a scene like it was fantastic the dog was a was a legit great character dog was the best part of this movie hands down yeah. um but I yeah i do like i do, like, do want to talk about like plot at some point so i think we'll have to throw up a spoiler warning because yeah, i'm I worried say, going into my final thoughts on it i do hmm. want to for me where i land is i had a really entertaining time in the cinema and i think uh 
the movie the movie with a poor trailer and uh the everything that they said about it did a really good job of setting the bar low for me mm. and that helped me because yeah if, if you'd have just said to me oh by the way they made a don't breathe to don't breathe sequel and it's out tomorrow and I, I would have been like off the chain excited and then i would have been disappointed by this but because of the the draw you can't give them good credit for a shit trader though <laughs> No, but what I mean is, ultimately, I did have a good time throughout this movie, and, mm. it, and it was it was a fun experience. And like, so you know, we're going to see crap movies this year, and we're going to see really frustrating ones. And this was not crap or not really frustrating. It just mm. wasn't. It just wasn't exquisite, you know, which is what we we hoped it would be with a sequel to that movie. Yeah, I'm mostly there, where I was definitely entertained by this in the cinema, um, but I was frustrated in some of the final act stuff, and I think it is a movie that the more I think about it, especially existing as a sequel, it does get frustrating. Like I said, I don't hate this movie. I think it is somewhere, for me, in the region of okay to good. Um, I've seen a lot better movies this year. We've seen a lot worse, obviously, but like the fact that if we did our top 10 tomorrow, this wouldn't be in my top 10. Um so and i think that in its in itself speaks volumes of kind of disappointment levels concerning to the first movie but again i still thought this was decent it, but again it mostly revolves around story and plot which we're going to have to talk about um yeah. so i guess this for could, up a spoiler one this could get into a top 10 for me like i don't know like mm. it would be it'd be one of those where i'd kind of mark it and i'd be like oh, okay it's not trash and it's it's not a sure in and then i just see how many sure ins i get like it could, it could easily kind of sneak there but um yeah I'm, we shall see in four months <laughs> yeah exactly i wouldn't i'd imagine in four months time it won't but mm. currently i wonder like i don't know whether i have 10 guaranteed that would be above it off the top of my head but maybe i would i you know um yeah we've seen a lot or, of good movies lately <laughs> yeah it's hard to tell but but i think yeah, just going into recommendations and we can go into spoilers mm. uh, i think it's worth a watch and i think more than anything it's a fun cinema trip and if you just want to have a fun cinema trip, you're going to get a real, real gory experience at the cinema as well that you won't get that often. And and yeah, a good time. If you're like this diehard fan of the first movie and want to see a continuation of that story, you're not getting that here. Mm. Yeah, I pretty much agree with that. I would recommend it as an entertaining horror movie, especially the fact that you get to see this big on screen 18 a super violent movie on the big screen where it really can't be downplayed that is some of the most graphic violence we've seen this year um i'm pretty sure on the big screen it's it, it is the most graphic because I'm, I'm thinking to a lot of these scenes in this movie and the way the violence is portrayed where it, it does remind me not to the extent because not most movies get to this level but that what we said about possessor where it's so like in your face yeah. yeah it's just and it lingers on it and it's very slow and this haunting violence it's not you know mm. oh my god that was violent and it's gone in two seconds and now someone said a funny little quip and we've moved on like it really stays with you um and you do feel dirty after a while but um the corpses stick around <laughs> yeah <laughs> which, which is something weird to say but you know quite often a character dies and then they never see him again whereas mm. more often than not in this movie that dead character will be in the room with other characters for a while or they will go back to that room and so you're constantly rediscovering these dead bodies as the movie racks up its body count it's funny you mention that because that is one of those weird little niche things that is like one of my favorite things in horror like i love that consistent re like going through the dread situation and yeah, constantly and in it 
yeah because yeah. like a lot of the saw movies have done that and you know like martyrs does that and you know all of these types of movies where like you're in this self-contained area and there is a little bit of that in don't breathe obviously the body count is like so much lower that you don't really see that as much um but the one body does pop up every now and again but yeah i, I would recommend it and i definitely think like it is weird that they called this don't breathe too and mm. not just anything else because this is one of the least kind of you need to see the first movie or even yeah. it doesn't matter i think most if you haven't seen the first movie i think you'll enjoy this more i really do um and yeah, yeah it is 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 a fun movie for sure i just have a lot of frustrations with it which yeah we'll we'll get to in plot um so yeah spoiler alert for this new don't breathe too um yeah, I, I just want to kind of start really with the elephant in the room and the thing that we kept talking about, especially when we saw that first trailer, which was, I mean, the trailer was just like, hey, here's this ass kicking dude who's defending his home against these pieces of shit. And it's, I think this movie has like an identity crisis where it almost doesn't know how to portray this character. And we said it before that as a sequel, it's weird because there's so many different avenues you could pick up for a sequel. But the fact that they just took the blind man was almost that classic like, OK, he's going to be the face of the franchise. We want him to be this new kind of horror icon. But then it's very hard to portray him because, like you say, he's he's the victim for the first half of Don't Breathe. But by the end of it, when you know everything about his character, he is 100% a villain. And there's no coming back from the things that he's done. And so being reintroduced to this character... He's not, he's not a full villain as well, where he will just go and do heinous crimes for no reason. He's not a, mm. you know, a Freddy or a Jason. You know, he he's a very... He's still a sympathetic villain because he does have a deeply tragic past as well as the mm. first half of the movie like it's not you know it, he is well and truly a villain at the end of that movie because of what he did but you, you know th there is still a sob story for him and i think like that's why that's why they have such a trouble with it and that's why in my mind i couldn't really see it continuing well that's um, why i love the first movie so much mm. because he is like you say he's the victim for the most of the movie but also when you're flipping the script like that and you have a person with a disability in the movie who is being portrayed as the villain mm. even though he has all these um sympathetic aspects he's also doing all these really repulsive things and it's i love that juxtaposition and it reminds me of um i wish i knew the name of thought is it shut up and dance the uh, the black mirror episode with the kid who's trying he's being blackmailed because they think there's like a video oh, of him right. yeah. and and yeah. so and then there's like the reveal at the end and you find out yeah. what was really on the video and like that reminds me of that where it makes you as the audience flip how you thought you felt about this character because you're like oh i thought he was a nice dude just because he's blind and he's living alone oh how kind of presumptuous of me that i just assume like there's a line in the first movie which i hadn't even picked up on until my rewatch where they see the blind man walking outside with the dog just before they rob the house and rocky is like what we're gonna rob a blind guy and and the main dude is like um just because he's blind doesn't mean he's a saint and like that really stuck with me because i think that's the whole point of that movie is flipping that um that expectation on its head and so coming back to this movie that is you already have this really fully fleshed out character you already have the twist you already have the reveals so i'm going okay we're reintroduced to him he now has this daughter and he has this like 
relationship which again i don't know how we're supposed to feel about it he's overprotective he clearly loves her but also we're left with a shit ton of questions of who what where and why you know in terms of who is this daughter where did he find her you know did he was he successful in his mission from the first movie and is that how this daughter has has become part of his life because yeah. that's you know incredibly yeah. disgusting and so it's kind <laughs> of like what it was for a chunk in this movie i think that's what again the movie's trying to play with and so mm. it's, it's a very complicated movie for starters like i do think there's a reason why it took them this long to make a sequel for a movie that was so commercially viable because they kind of wrote themselves into a box as we keep mentioning with how amazingly written the first movie was because once you have all those reveals well there's not really anywhere to go with it and so yeah the first half is the more traditional retelling of the story except they're trying to take the girl rather than the money so you're immediately going to root for the blind man and the girl Mm -hmm. um but then once we get the the kind of twist i mean the first twist is that like the leader of the gang is actually her father and it's kind of like okay so now you're going to see this different you're going to see this push and pull where phoenix is in the middle and she knows that the blind man is is potentially a bad person so is her real family they've all done bad things you know they're portrayed as criminals they're got a meth lab they're breaking and entering they're killing people um Mm. and so it's like where's that gonna go but then as it gets more i mean the where the movie kind of lost me plot wise was the mum character of (laughs) phoenix because that was just ridiculous how within the space and this is probably again a problem with how quick this movie's paced but within two minutes she's she sings to her to reintroduce her they have this amazing oh my god you're my mom and you're back and then within the space of honestly about three minutes on screen she's like yeah i need your heart like there's a there's an operating table over there can i have your heart please and and it it doesn't matter what you say because we're about to just like drug you and take your heart out of your body like it was just such a ridiculous over the top um storyline which again was only in there to make us despise these people so much like they have they probably created some of the most dislikable people you could possibly portray on cinema just to try and make us like the blind man um and so i think that's where this movie again has this major issue because by the end of it they then try and go full circle and it's like the blind man admits for what he's done where he says it out loud he's like i've killed people i've raped people like i'm not a good person like stay away from me it's for your own good and i get where they're going and we've seen a lot of these stories and there is a lot of different comparison a lot of direct comparisons in fact with the last of us across the two games which we're not going to get into because it'd take too long but like we, we, I've started to see a lot of these stories recently where you're portraying a bunch of bad people from different angles and the kind of the motivation for why bad people do bad things. And I always come to the same conclusion where I think Rob Zombie is the only person where I like the bad people that much. Like he's the only person I've seen where I genuinely don't care that they're murderers and rapists. And I don't know how he does it, honestly, but I really like and root for those characters. Maybe I'm sick for doing that. But that, yeah. I just feel that with with Rob's Ain't movies. Saying it out loud. <laughs> well, yeah, but we all love Captain Spaulding and Baby. Like it's literally impossible. Um, and so you get this movie, and it's like I get it's so difficult to do. But by the end of it, when we get Phoenix and her making her choices, and like you know, she ultimately keeps the phoenix name which is kind of her leaning towards well you know i have more of a soft spot for the blind man because he's the one that loved and raised me but i still don't want to be near him for what he's done and so it's just 
it is interesting there's a lot in there to to kind of extrapolate again for what is on the surface level just a very entertaining gory revenge film there is like an insane amount of subtext and character to it i just didn't enjoy where they went with it what what did you make of kind of those reveals in the final i quite i quite enjoyed it because Mm. i think like i said i'd very much early on got in my head that this was just going to be some dumb fun and i think kind of the only way to make this dumb fun is to like what i said earlier where they kind of they want the blind man to be the protagonist and the only way to do that is to come up with an antagonist that's worse than him and what he did in that first movie is pretty goddamn despicable um but kidnapping your estranged 10 year old daughter to just steal her heart after five seconds is is pretty up there as one of the most horrific (laughs) things you could do and so um it was comic book but it it kind of got to that point that he was comic book with the way he he basically has superpowers and you know the the you know, you spoke about the scene where he threw the the weapon kind of across the room, but there's the mm. scene in the trailer with the ripples in the water. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's just that. nailing headshots with a gun. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, so you know someone's exact height from their ripple in the water, do you? Like, you know, if you're really going to pick it apart, but when I was in the cinema, I I kind of just enjoyed it. You know, it was just dumb. You know, he didn't see the one to the action, though, do you not think tonally that's a problem? Is like... The the action is dumb fun, but then it has these really serious like character reveals. Yeah, I, think, I think they were like amped up to a million. You know, the the mum that that was you know just trying to steal her heart instantly was just mm. this kind of real just low life character. You know, you could kind of see that, that that they are this really low life like just degenerates. You know, the worst of the worst, and I think kind of. They created that so that, um, you know, getting towards the end of the movie, I'd kind of forgotten what, you know, having not seen the, the original that recent or the, 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 you know, the first movie kind of that recently. Um, I'd kind of forgotten the horrible and heinous stuff he did in the first movie, movie because in this one, I'm kind of like, well, he just rescued her um, from, you know, he didn't rescue her from dying, but he scooped her up in the street and then gave her a good home and, and pretty much looked after her and raised her. Do you know what I mean? Like, he wasn't horrible to her. Mm. Um, yeah, he might have been a controlling parent figure, but ultimately he put a roof over her head and raised her and, and you know, didn't hurt her. Um, and, you know, it, it got to the point, let's just take the whole movie to one side. Like their relationship at the start of this movie is not great, but it's kind of like a teenager with a parent in general, where the parent doesn't want to let their teenager out of the house. The teenager needs to get out and see the world more. And, and yeah, he's doing it a bit more extreme, but he's not being horrible. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think that's what's weird about this movie because it's almost like she knows at some point when there's the reveals and the guy just shouts like he's a bad man. It's like Mm. suddenly she's been sat down and watched all of don't breathe and she's terrified by it. But like you say, she's not experienced any of that. She's come to realize that what a lot of what he said has been a lie to her. But yeah, in the grand scheme of things, he hasn't been disgusted. It's us as the viewer that know what he's really like, not Phoenix, the character. But I don't think she proper kicks off. I think like, 
that reveal, them shouting, he's he's not your father, hmm. is enough to make her freak out the appropriate level that she did. And then kind of as she started to realize that, yeah, he's not her father, but these people are a piece of shit and want to steal my heart. I'm going to take the blind guy that, that, that raised me quite well. Yeah, uh, if I had to choose one of them, I think was an appropriate character choice for her. I think. Yeah, I don't have a problem all, with Phoenix choices at all. It's more yeah, the blind think, man and his betrayal to us as the audience. Yeah, I, you know, like I said, I don't really have a problem with any of it. I think it it does what it needs to do. I think for me, where I where I just stand back is is any of this necessary? No, this whole movie is completely unnecessary mm. when you when you look at it as a sequel to one of our favorite movies for the podcast. Um, I almost wish that they then just took it to a, the, the next level and was like, yeah, he's just a good guy. Like, mm. because we thought that from the trailer where we were like, mm. you know, we said we joked, oh, yeah, this looks like it's made from someone who only watched the trailer to Don't Breathe, you know, and mm. thinks that the blind man was just, oh, these bloody teenagers breaking into his home. I'm glad he defeated them all, you mm. know. So I almost wonder why the movie glosses over the first movie for most of it, but then, but then really wants to remind it of you right in that final moment when he's having this over-the-top monologue where he's like you know admitting to all of these horrific things the movie really wants you to remember it right at that final moment and like i say i'm almost like didn't need that i would have just been happy if he was just trying to save phoenix from these scumbags yeah and um, i think when he apologized he just needed to apologize for Fe to phoenix about his lies to her mm. not him as a character in a movie that she wasn't part of yeah oh yeah that's very yeah. much felt like he was speaking to us not her mm. which is again yeah. this weird that was very i thought breaking the fourth wall that dialogue like it was very yeah. odd mm. um but yeah like i say i think i i definitely have got bogged down in the weeds with this movie because it did frustrate me the more i think about it and i know you definitely like this more but i didn't dislike it i did enjoy it for the most part it's very entertaining like mm. make no question about it and i don't want to gloss over it especially the first whatever until they left yeah, his the first, home the first hour or so really. oh it was so it was good part of the movie. all of the like say the fight choreography the dog stuff when he's like traps it under the bed frame and all that and the the bit in the greenhouse and all that stuff genuinely fantastic even the bit when she's trapped in that weird box was a little bit ridiculous but was still pretty tense like when it started raising with the water and stuff i was like this is cool the only thing about that is i don't need i don't like electricity that's mm. what I've realized as a crux <laughs> for people in horror movies. We had it yeah. with the room and we had it with this where I just, I don't need that. I don't, I don't know why. I just don't find it <laughs> believable <laughs> where I'm like looking at it. I'm like, Oh, there's a wire. I'm like, she's going to drown in that box anyway. Yeah. She doesn't need to get electrocuted as well. The fear of drowning was enough for me to not like her being in that box with filling water. I really didn't need the wire as well. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird thing, wasn't it? Especially with how he uses it of like, well, I filled the room with gas so you couldn't shoot your gun, which was really cool, by the way. Yeah. And it's great. like, oh, now I'm going to throw the wire so it lights, but also quickly get perfectly behind the table. <laughs> like, Again, it just shows you this man is like basically Superman at this point. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's I, I, I'm entertaining. I, I, I can't see him in the MCU, but I could definitely see him in the Suicide Squad sequel yeah like he is just jason at this point like if they do make a third i want it to just be as farcical as possible like strapped with a machine gun with like mm. ammo all over his chest just like full rambo style because oh, I yeah was, i was picturing like guns akimbo sort of yeah actually, actually give him even more of like a disability let him have gun hands i want to see him snipe like that's the he, and he just does it by sound alone mm. <laughs> 
but uh yeah it was a this was a fun one i i enjoyed talking about this like i'm glad it's it's here and it wasn't it wasn't just some like boring sequel yeah. like that's far from what this was it was absolutely fascinating actually even the frustrations i had with it i enjoyed kind of thinking about um and yeah, yeah it was a fun movie. movie i was worried that we weren't even going to be able to have a conversation about it mm. because it would have just been so meh yeah like you say we've yeah, seen these ones that are just like oh god that. you know like forever purge like oh yeah they just made another one that was boring this is like far from that and like i say it's mostly good you liked it a lot more than i did as well um so yeah i hope people really enjoyed it um but yeah that was our discussion of don't breathe too uh, we'll take a short break and we'll be right back Yeah, we did have some uh, listener feedback this week. Of course, you can always get in touch with us. Uh, the, dis- the links are in the description of the podcast. Um, but yeah, we did have an email from Sean this week um, who said, uh, Good afternoon, Matt and Mike. Uh, what an amazing review of the third film and the trilogy overall in this week's episode, uh, referring to Fear Street. Um, this was easily one of the best and most enjoyable reviews of the podcast this year. Uh, you guys have been knocking out of the park, baseball reference. Uh, and I've, I've not seen these films as I'm not subscribed to Netflix at the moment. I'm waiting for Flanagan midnight mass uh but when i do resubscribe i'll definitely be watching this trilogy thanks to you um i mean there's a lot i want to talk about here first and foremost thank you very much sean for the uh, kind words like we always greatly appreciate it it just makes this podcast worth doing that we that we know that you guys enjoy it that much um yeah definitely seeing that email really kind of perked me up just you know kind of seeing the appreciation and seeing the fact that even when they're films that you're not watching Mm. Uh, you're still listening to our reviews on it and then hopefully watching them down the line. I think that's that's great. You know, we want to be a podcast for people to watch along and enjoy with us, but also where we can help people discover new things. And hopefully, you know, as we've had over the years, kind of listeners put us on to new things as well. Yeah, that was the other thing I wanted to mention, really, was like, I always wonder about that, because I know specifically with you, Sean, you watch more stuff than we do. So I think for the most part, these are companion pieces of movies Mm. you've already seen. Whereas I always wonder for most people, like, have they seen the movie? Um, Are they hearing it for that recommendation? And so I like to hear this from someone who, like I say, normally Sean isn't in this boat, but I'm sure a lot of people are that like, yeah, you know, he still really enjoyed it, even though he hasn't seen the movies, which I find great. And also you mentioned in about um, the whole subscribing to Netflix thing. I think this is the way to do it. And I think we've discussed this before of like, there is so many subscription services now that are, I mean, there's a lot of them that are almost must have, but they're not must have all year round and so i think doing this is perfect of just mentally adding them you know to your to your list of things you want to see and then wait until there's that one and like say for you it's midnight mass great choice cannot wait for that and then you're like oh yeah i can watch fear street and i can watch you know these other things that are on the service um so yeah you know definitely need to do that more with all of the services you know hbo max and hulu definitely Um, the correct way to do it you know mm. and, and because i just get so lazy where i just like yeah oh look there's the netflix come at my account again and i'm like really like i'm not I've, have i watched anything this month and and or have i just watched crap have i just watched the office for the millionth time which you mm. know it's good but do i really need to pay a subscription for that and like you know i think kind of especially if you do swap between them and you're like oh, okay I think I would I would watch a lot more fun new content if I was like, right, I'm going to have Shudder for two months. 
then I'm going to have Netflix for two months and then I'll, I'll, you know, do Disney plus for two months. Mm. I mean, you have a hell of a lot to watch in that time. <laughs> but, um, do you know what I mean? And if you did it that way, I think it would be a great way to do it. Um, I just tend to become a slave to, I, I become exactly what they want where they, yeah. they get my money and keep it, um, every month. Yeah, and I think most people are like that, like say for the mm-hmm. ease of it. But yeah, the you know, what you're doing, Sean, is absolutely fantastic. Um and then yeah, talking about Don't Breathe too, um, he really enjoyed it. Um he said that the uh uh intelligent writing, great performances by all the actors and great uh direction. Um I loved how they managed to increase the scope of the story as well as this the stakes. Uh the effects were outstanding, all practical effects and some great gore. Um I did not think going into this unasked for sequel that the movie would equal the first one. Um but for him it was a definite cinema watch uh recommendation. Um and yeah, really, really liked it. So I'm I'm really glad that you liked this one, Sean. Um I think for, for the most part this is gonna please fans for sure. I think it um, will because I think most people because i think sean you know sean liked the first movie but it Mm. wasn't his movie of the year and i think that's the problem when you do get a movie that's that high you know can jordan peele do the same thing again can quiet place do the same thing again you know the answer to those two questions was yes and it's very rare for that to happen and you know whereas yeah when we're getting a sequel to a movie that, that isn't that great or just even just great then you stand a much better chance but yeah don't breathe is on such a pedestal for us that that it did did mean that we critique this one a lot more yeah for sure um but yeah he, he goes on to say um next week we get david bruckner's the night house uh this guy is incredible with the signal vhs southbound the ritual and creep show uh i really like this guy's output this movie looks flat out scary i'm very much looking forward to it uh this year is shaping up to be a pretty solid year it definitely is like you say for me the last two to three months have like massively turned it around and i do feel like it is starting to feel normal again just the amount of big releases and yeah looking forward um yeah we're in the cinema again for the next two weeks um yeah we've got obviously the night house as you just discussed um and then we've got the big one Candyman. um so yeah cannot wait for the weeks to come um but yeah i did want to quickly mention before we uh end um a move a couple of movies in fact that i watched in the last week um so this was a really bizarre one because, yeah, I've never seen these movies before, um, which is weird considering how much of a massive science fiction fan I am. Um, so to kind of talk about why I did this, the, um, I'm so excited for Dune, uh, which is right. coming out soon. Um, the trailer just speaks to me and I'm like, man, I'm so excited for this. And so I was looking up uh, different things and the director, uh, Denis Villeneuve, um, he directed Arrival, um, which we saw at the cinema and I loved. I really need to rewatch uh, Arrival. It was such an awesome sci-fi movie Mm. um and then his second movie which was the last movie he did before directing dune um was blade runner 2049 and i always wanted to see this movie because again from what i'd seen the visuals really spoke to me but i was always worried because i've never seen blade runner and blade runner has never piqued my interest i've been aware of it my entire life and like i say it's weird for me because i love sci-fi but i just every time i saw little clips of it i was like no this just doesn't look like my type of sci-fi um so that's the weird reason why i watched blade runner for the first time in 2021 because i'm excited for dune i don't think anyone else has ever done that um many people have i'm not gonna lie no and i i thought it was good i didn't love it i thought it was you know it was better than fine i thought the second half was really good and i liked how it ended um with some of the kind of 
Runner. Yeah, the original Blade yeah. Runner. Yeah. So I watched the final cut, um, as it's as it's called now, which is yeah. kind of like supposedly the definitive version by Ridley yeah. Scott, because this is once again one of these movies that had like a ridiculous release. Where there's about ten different versions of this movie over the years, and it definitely feels like that. Even as someone who's watching it for the first time, you can tell it's been cut and chopped and. And you again, you can tell it's from a book because it's like there are certain things in this movie that are really fleshed out, and then there are other things that are completely glossed over. Um, I think the problem with this movie is watching it for the first time mm, in the modern era because yeah. I did too, and I only watched it a few years ago. Yeah, and the problem is is that sci-fi has surpassed it in every way. Yeah, so the the visually it doesn't look spectacular. It, do, it doesn't look bad. Mm. But it, but it's a sci-fi world that we've seen multiple times at this point, and and yes, when it first came out, we hadn't seen it multiple times. But yeah, watching it now for the first time, I'm like, oh, cool, hovering cars and stuff. Yeah, you know, and it's like, uh, yeah, it just none of it feels groundbreaking now, which mm. isn't the movie's problem. It's just my problem for not watched it back in the day. But yeah, I still in, I still enjoyed it when I watched it for the first time. But yeah, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't one of my all-time faves straight away. Yeah, 100%. Like, I fully respect it because, like, there are so many films and video games that are clearly inspired by Blade Runner that I absolutely mm. adore, and those things wouldn't exist were it not for this. But, yeah, I'm not making some wild proclamation. It was just, um, you know, watching it for the first time. And, like I say, it, it is wild watching these old movies because I expect most of them to not hold up to today's standards, and I'm actually shocked with the amount that do. Like, you know, even this year, watching Robocop and watching American and wealth in london and those david cronenberg movies all of five of them i did enjoy more than blade runner and like it is it does blow me away that those types of movies do, do hold up but like you say science fiction is just the one genre that has been massively improved in the last by modern technology um so yeah going into the sequel i was very much excited because i already liked the world and i am really glad i watched the original um have you have you seen the sequel yeah so I couldn't I thought it would just be like, oh, OK, I'll know like the world and a few of the, you know, things in this world. But like it is such a direct sequel in every single way. Mm -hmm. um, and I was kind of blown away with that. And I really, really liked this movie. And the one thing I couldn't stop thinking about, which is really frustrating, was Terminator and <laughs> how this is like what? you know nearly over 35 years between these two movies and they made a cohesive sequel that not only is a great standalone movie but a great sequel to the original and it blows me away that i don't want to start getting frustrated and start talking about terminator forever but it's like they've had so many opportunities to do this to do the Blade Runner 2049 with Terminator. And they've just messed it up every single time. And I was looking the other day about the list of directors that they've got to make the last three Terminator movies. And I'm just like, who's making these decisions? Because this guy, Villeneuve, is one of the best science fiction directors in the world. And he's proven that he can make great films in existing ip and i don't understand why they're giving it to people like mcgee to make a new terminator movie <laughs> like I, or, or you know the person who made genesis i think had barely made anything like i just i don't understand why they're like oh yeah it's so good it's terminator people love it and then they're just going to give it to someone who now granted the last movie is a bit of an anomaly because Are tim miller trying to bum me out 
Well, no, it's just, it's started, it started to bomb me out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just wanted to say, like, the I last wanna, movie... I, I don't want to keep thinking about what a good Terminator <laughs> movie could be, because it really bums me out, dude. Like, I've been, yeah. I've been shot so many times. It's like... Well, watching this made me... Because I didn't... about uh, a potential good Saw movie now. Yeah. I, like, I just didn't think it was possible, like, after being burned for so long. And I think the fact that I watched it these two... Possible like so you know within the same week and they they felt like they were part of the same franchise but you know did the same things and that's what blew me away is like he did an incredible job i really liked the movie it looked absolutely stunning which was the main reason why i loved it i wish i'd have seen it on the big screen um it doesn't surprise me that it won the oscars for both visual effects and cinematography especially the last one like a sci-fi movie winning cinematography is almost unheard of and it fully deserved it i've really liked this movie i thought it was uh, like absolutely fantastic like for me way better than blade runner but again i know i'm an outlier um so yeah it got me incredibly hyped for dune which was the whole point of me watching these two movies um so yeah cannot wait for those uh, what, I, what did you make of the sequel i think i was pretty close on them both really that i, mm. I like them both i think visually the sequel obviously speaks more to me now because it's you know it's a it's a much newer movie mm. but um i think i enjoyed the the overall premise and and the the fresh freshness of the world for the first movie more um mm. and i think i probably did settle with the first one but um because the villains because are better in the first one as well I did, I did the same thing where i watched them both very close to each other mm. and i kind of felt like um the the sequel re retrod a lot of the ground of the first movie yeah um, in a in a, you know it, it was to the point where I probably got a third through the, the sequel and wasn't sure whether it was a sequel or a remake. And then, mm. it, 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 then it very heavily leans into the fact that it is a sequel, which was great. But, but there, there is quite a bit of retreading of the first. But I think they're really great movies. And they're, they're mm. not necessarily my cup of tea, um, but they are really great movies. Yeah, they're not like my favorite sci-fi, but just I love the way this one looked in particular. Like I, I thought I did like Arrival more. It just spoke to me um, the story-wise. Um but yeah, this this guy just knows how to do big budget sci-fi. Mm. And yeah, every time we see that trailer for Dune, I'm like, oh, I can't wait. It's so close now. It looks awesome. So yeah, that's one I'm very much looking forward to. But yeah, the coming weeks is very exciting. We've got so much great cinema stuff to, to look forward to. Um, and on-demand stuff is just waiting for us as well. Like we, I don't think we've really mentioned it on the podcast, but there's a British horror movie called Sensor um, mm. that looks really cool and is getting a limited theatrical release this coming week. But obviously... We want to discuss the Nighthouse because that is a very big release from a from a director and David Bruckner who has really yeah. done us well. You know, we covered the Ritual back in 2017, I believe it was, and it was a great film. And as Sean said, he's done a lot of segmented stuff. Like he did Amateur Night in the first VHS, which is still the best segment in the whole trilogy, um, as well as doing two episodes of Creep Show in the first season, which were both good. So yeah, this guy, and also this movie, The Nighthouse, is what got him the Hellraiser a gig um because we know he's directing the new remake of hellraiser um and it was off the back of this movie's performance at festivals was what got mm. that gig so yeah i'm i'm very much and it's also it's like this is like a free week like if it's great awesome if it sucks i don't care because i haven't been looking forward to that that long and then we're one week closer to the big one um <laughs> which is i, like, I can't I believe like it's just around the corner I yeah me neither yes um i think sean's email really got me hyped for for this next movie because it reminded me of what great stuff he's done 
Mm. Like I only had the ritual in my mind and that was, that was good enough. But then all of this other stuff as well, like it really does get me excited to, to see this movie. Yeah, for sure. Like I say, we have got fantastic weeks to look forward to. It's just great that this is normal now, like big horror releases that we're really excited for every week. Um, which is, yeah, we have stuff on the back burner. Like at some point we might have to talk about that nightmare on Elm street. Um, but, uh, that might be in in a very long time, <laughs> which is a good thing. I'm not complaining with the amount of amazing horror movies. But uh, yeah, that was episode 261, where we discussed Don't Breathe 2. Thanks for listening, as always, and we'll see you again very soon. See you later, everyone. Through my veins and travels to my head, they said, you'll die soon enough anyway, shut up, I can't believe because I never could, and how could I start that?